If you have your Bibles, if you'll turn me toward the back of your Bible to 1 Peter, uh, this little letter that the Apostle Peter has written to the church, uh, to us, uh, of how to live and how to lead. Uh, again, we're so grateful that God has given us his word to lead us and guide us. If you, if you don't have a Bible, uh, no worries. Uh, in your bulletin, you'll find the uh, scripture passage listed there. Also, by the way, in your bulletin, uh, one section is going to have in our reflections a lot of stuff. And uh, it'll be the vows that these folks have taken will be listed. It'll be the vows the officers will take in the second service. Uh, and also some questions uh, about the sermon if you're in a community group. So let me encourage you uh, to take that home and to look at that throughout the week as well. Well, everyone here, I bet, uh, sometime in their life as a child, I would assume, have played the game follow the leader, right? Uh, you get somebody who's a leader, and what do you do? Well, you mimic what they do. You go where they go. Well, as Christians, we are called not as a game, but as a lifestyle to follow the leader. And we're to follow our leader with childlike faith. We're to follow him wherever he leads. As a matter of fact, scripture says to all of us, to all who are followers of Christ, he says, be imitators of Christ as dearly loved children, that he is our leader. We are to mimic, we are to follow, we are uh, to be in his steps every step of the way. And I love what scripture says. It says, be imitators of Christ because of who we are, because you are a dearly loved child, because you're loved. And because you're his, because he is our father, he says, imitate dad. And may we follow him and follow his son, Christ Jesus. Well, we know that following the leader isn't really in vogue right now, is it? I mean, it's interesting. Uh, when we look at the current leaders around us, we're often questioning uh, them morally or trying to figure out how, how, do you, how do you follow that lead with the character of, of some of the leaders around us? There seems to be so much suspicion regarding authority. Is it not true? And I look around and I see some of you from a different generation. Authority to you wasn't a dirty word. Authority to you wasn't something that you resisted at all costs. But when I talk to uh, uh, like our youth pastor, Jared, and to realize that the mindset of our young people is very, very skeptical against authority. I mean, almost like let's rail against it. Well, authority and living in submission isn't an option for a Christian. I mean, this is our call. God has called us not just to be imitators of Christ, but he's called us to live our lives in submission to authority. Well, you might not say, well, what authority? Well, when you read scripture, it's kind of like all authority. He's going to say that all authority has been established by God. And as Christians, we are to, to submit to civic authority, the rulers of our, our, our nation and our country. We are to submit and have author, uh, the authority of those uh, in our church, uh, even those in our home, uh, even obeying father and mother. I mean, this, this reality of a Christian is continually to live your life in submission. And how do we do it? And by the way, I love the fact because authority in scripture and living in submission in scripture is completely different than what the world thinks. You know, it's, it's an upside down authority. It's an empowering authority. I mean, our world uses power and authority for its own gain. Our, our world uses it in a way to disadvantage others for the improvement of themselves often. 
But the authority of the scripture is opposite of that. It's upside down. It's, it's use whatever God has given you as authority to lift up, to make others better. And really, when it comes to either submitting or it comes to being an authority, everything, leaders, followers, have to be wrapped in humility. Wrapped, wrapped tightly. May the reality of who we are in Christ be humble. That's what God's called us to. Well, this morning, we're going to look at this. As we install our new officers, as we greet our new members, we're going to look at three things about the church. We've got to be leading by example, especially our leaders, but all leading by example, living in submission, and clothed in humility. Now, we're just having this one standalone service. Let me give you a little context of, of what is happening. It's Peter. Peter is going to say to the fellow elders of the church, he's going to call himself a fellow elder, and he's going to say, now listen, take care of the sheep, shepherd them, feed them, oversight, give, give them oversight, care for them. And he's going to tell all uh, in the church to be submissive to authority. Now, when you hear Peter say these things, what you got to know is this is a guy who blew it big time. This is a guy who who promised dying allegiance to Jesus while he was alive and right before his death denied him three times. And when it looked like it was all bad, in the end of the Gospel of John, Jesus meets with Peter and he meets with him on, on this, on this uh, sea of Galilee, on the shores of Galilee. And he keeps asking Peter a question. Hey, Peter, do you love me? He's like, man, yeah, I love you. He says, feed my sheep. Hey, Peter, do, do you love me more than these? I don't know if it was a fish of disciples. And he said, yeah, I, I love you. Tend to my lambs. Yo, Peter, I mean, do you really love me? The three times that he denied, he was asked three times. And, and he would say, Lord, you know all things. You know I love you. And he'd say, then, then shepherd my flock and follow me. And now you have a restored Peter here in the context of First uh, Peter talking to other shepherds, saying exactly what Jesus said to him. Shepherd the flock. Take good care of them. Well, let me give you a little bit of context. Let's, that, that's what we're going to look at. Let me go back just a little bit into First Peter, First Peter, the, the epistle that Peter wrote. The church was enduring fiery trials. They embraced Jesus as Messiah and their life still stunk. It was hard. I mean, they were, they were, they were getting beaten and, and abused and, and losing their jobs. You think things were difficult for them. And Peter was going to say, don't be surprised that this happens. And he, he tells them this. I, I love this. He looks at the church and he says, you are a chosen people. You are a royal priesthood. You are a holy nation. You are a people belonging to God. I mean, listen to the terms that he calls us. And what I love about this is that Peter uses the language that, that Moses used on Mount Sinai that God talked about his people there. He's like, whoa, we are it. We are God's chosen people. He loves us dearly. He says that he, he has called us to himself that we may glorify him and not ourselves. And as soon as Peter says, by the way, you're it, you're royalty, you're chosen. You know what he says right after that? By the way, submit to everybody. It's not, God doesn't lift us up and give us these great titles and great names so that we'll be served. That's not what Jesus did. 
He's given us a part of the family and he's called us to this beautiful thing so that we could live in submission and we could live on mission. And that's the reality. So that's a little bit of background. He's basically saying, because of who you are, because of whose you are, live in a manner worthy of the name. Let's look to 1 Peter chapter 5. I'm going to read the first five verses this morning. But let's be mindful. Wherever we find ourselves in God's word, uh, God wants to speak to us. It's a living and active word. It'll never lead us astray. Hear the word of the Lord. 1 Peter 5 verse 1. Peter writes, so I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that's going to be revealed. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Likewise, you who are younger, or you who are not in the role of, of an elder, be subject to your elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you, elders and, and non-elders, clothe yourself with humility toward one another. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Let us pray. Oh, Father God, would you give us grace? May we humble ourselves before your word before our Savior Jesus. May the Holy Spirit come and be the teacher. And God, would you give us understanding of what this means for us today. God, speak to your people. Speak to your church through a broken sinner like me. God, would you give us ears to hear your voice, minds to understand your word, hearts to embrace your truth and love. And God, would you give us feet that would walk in a manner worthy of your name. The things that I say that are wrong or merely my opinion, may those things fall away and be forgotten. But the things that are said that are true and contain the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ, would you use those things to make us more like your son, our savior? And it's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. If you uh, have a bulletin that you want to follow along with me with your outline, you're welcome to do that. Leading by example. Have you ever noticed the arrow in the FedEx logo? Have you ever noticed that there's an arrow there? I mean, once you notice it, you can't not notice it. Once you see it, it's going to be there all the time. Do you see it? Does anybody see the arrow? Now, anybody seeing it for the first time? A couple of y'all. Does anybody not see the arrow? Okay, look between E and X. Oh, oh, yeah, there it is. Now, I guarantee you, every time you see a FedEx truck, you will be remembered of a riveting sermon that you just heard. It's, it's, the reality is, is once you see it, and it was years that I didn't see it. I can't even remember who pointed it out to me, but someone said, do you see the arrow in the FedEx thing? I'm like, what are you talking about? And as soon as you're there, Chuck, you still can't see it. Between the E and the X, it's a white thing. It's an arrow. You got it? Oh, okay. Well, it's pointing to Christ. And a great kind of an illustration that all our, uh, pointing to the X, our lives, all of our lives 
should be pointing to Christ. Now, this is a stretch, but stay with me. Greek word for Christ is Christos. I often write Christ with an X. And some people would say that's blasphemy. No, I'm, I'm thinking that's, that's who he is. Uh, with the X. And, uh, if you want to, I'll give you another kind of stretch. You take the X and you turn it up, uh, up a little bit. It's a cross. But the point is, like in FedEx, everything that they point to is always going to be pointing to that X. In our lives, we are to li- live our lives, lead our lives with everything we do pointing to Christ. He's going to say to the shepherds this. He's going to say, those of you who are elders, those of you who are pastors, those of you who are leaders, that you're to lead the church as an example. Really interesting word, Greek word for the example. We, it's, a, it's a word, typos, a type. It's, it's basically the lead your life as an example, as a type. Do you know what my favorite class was? Well, let me rephrase that. Not my favorite. The most useful class I ever took in high school was typing. I still type every day of my life. And I don't just hunt and peck. I know the keyboard. I know typing. But you remember, does anybody take typing class that's like, did anybody take typing class on something called a typewriter? <laughs> remember the typewriters? You're sitting there and what would you do? You would hit, you would hit the letter J uh, and, and out would fly something with a J on it, and it would strike the paper with such force and with a little ink on it that it would leave an impression. It would press upon that document uh, the reality of, of what it was trying to, to place there. And so it would make an impression. And I want you to think that as far as a, uh, a type goes. Making an impression that leaves a mark. That's really what's under this with an example. Be an example. Make an impression that will lead a mark. Well, what kind of mark should we be leaving the world? What kind of mark should our elders, our pastors be leaving on us? Well, I bet you you could probably answer that. But it's different kind of impression that many leaders want to leave on, uh, on others. For gospel leaders, for church leaders, for those who are called to a leadership position, what does gospel leading and a gospel example mean? It means that we're to be leading and believing. Believing God's word to be true. Believing even when it comes to walking in darkness. And I know the times that God has called me to walk in darkness, sometimes I stink at it. But God who calls a leader to leave a mark, be those who lead in believing. Here's another thing that you may not see. Be those who lead in repenting. If you're in a leadership role, especially within the church or its ministries, you should be a leader in repenting. The gospel set you free. You should be leading in a way that you're authentic about what you're not. That you don't have to hide. You don't have to pretend. You're, you're not there to leave your mark. You're there to leave his mark. And so a leader, a true elder in the church should be one who is leading in repentance. Man, I blew it. Man, I was wrong. Admit in confessing our sins. If it comes to reality, a gospel example, we should be leading and serving. Jesus in the upper room on that night that he was betrayed and he was going to have the Passover meal with him. He was doing so much communicating to his disciples, but he was really shattering a lot of paradigms. He said to them, hey, my, my, my brothers, you call me Lord 
and rightfully so, because I am the Christ. But even though I'm Lord, I disrobed and I washed your feet. I mean, as a, as a servant, as a leader that, that, that has been called to serve, this is the reality. A leader, a godly leader who leaves his mark is one who serves the church to serve others. This is our calling to wash feet, not to have our feet washed. I mean, we're reflecting Jesus, right? And what does Jesus say? He is, I've come to, to serve, not to be served. It's crazy. This is God in flesh who tells us I've come to serve you. I've come to lay my life down for you. I've come to, to wash your feet. I've come to wash your sins. I've come to bear your image. I've come to, to shine light into your darkness. I've come for you. Now he's still God Almighty and we should bow our, our knees and sing our praises to him. But the incredible reality of Jesus is he's a servant leader, ultimately. And he says to anybody who's, who's called to leadership roles, servant leadership is where it's at. You want to leave your mark in gospel leadership? You lead in humility. Now, a great thought of this is be a leader of no reputation. Be a leader of no reputation. The mark you want to leave on the world, is it remembering your name or remembering Jesus' name? The mark you want to leave on the world, they want to be able to talk about you or talk about the God you loved and served. Being a leader of no reputation is basically saying that it's not about me. It's about him. And, and, and I'm here to serve him. And it's not about people loving me. It's about people loving him. It's not about people serving me. It's people serving him. I, I don't think I could move on without saying, I think we've really done a poor job of a lot of these things in the church. And I know that uh, this challenges me to the core. Even things like humility, things like being a leader of no reputation. I'm like you. I, I want a good reputation. I want, I want the praise of men. But you're reminded, no, really, that the praise should be directed completely to our great God. A leader leading by example is leaving an impression. It's like that typewriter. It's leaving an impression that will last. A, a mark on those. And that mark should be in Christ. Well, it's basically going to say this to us, to all of us, not just leaders, be imitators of Christ and point to Christ. You can't imitate what you don't know. Remember that God has called us as his children to imitate him. You can't imitate what you don't know. Keep growing, growing in grace, growing in knowledge of Jesus and be that arrow, be that arrow that points to Christ. Second thing, living in submission. Submission is not a dirty word in the Bible. It's not a sexist word. It's not a bigoted word. It's a, it's a major virtue. It's a major virtue that we see Jesus himself demonstrate to us. It's throughout the scripture. You cannot read the Bible and not understand that God has called you and me to live in submission. According to the Bible, God has placed everything in heaven and earth in submission to Jesus, his son, that everything should be bowing to him. And we see Jesus himself reflect this reality. Jesus, who is the second person in the Trinity, who's equal with the father in power, equal with the father in glory, yet he willingly and lovingly submits. 
he lowers himself and he submits to his father. But ever since the fall of man, according to the Bible, ever since this little thing called sin got into your life and my life in this world, have we not had a struggle with authority? Even with God. I mean, don't we want to do it our own way? I mean, really, when someone tells you what to do or, or tries to lead you, your, your natural response is probably railing against it in the flesh. We struggle with submission. Well, I also have to say this. We got to be honest again. We've blown it in regards to submission, especially the church. I think the church has used this word submission in a way that Jesus never intended. I think he used it to, to discriminate against women. I think he, he, we've used it as a church to, to say, to not uh, push slavery ab- uh, out and abolish slavery. I think there's times we got we to gotta own up. We took a submission and held it up to the point where saying, we're, we're, listen, you got to listen to me. I think the church continually needs to repent of not seeing this rightly, but it doesn't change the reality that we are called to live a life in submission like Jesus did. Okay, here's the question. Who are we supposed to submit to? You ready? Starts off this way. We're to submit to one another. Everybody. Submit to one another. In Ephesians 5, 21, right before it deals with the wives uh, and the husbands, and often that gets a lot of attention, wives submit to your husbands. You know what it says right before that? Submit to one another. Submit to one another in, in love. We're to submit to one another. First Corinthians 16, 16 says it again. We're to submit to authority. In Romans chapter 13, God's word makes painfully, painfully clear that all authority is established by God. You may want to say, I didn't vote for them or I don't like them. But until it's illegal, until it's kind of keeping us from worshiping God in the way that's uh, a real, God says all authority, you're to submit to it. Submit to church leaders. What does that look like? It's to put yourself in spiritual uh, uh, submission to the leaders because we get it always right? No, because God tells you to. God's raised up elders, uh, deacons to, to come alongside you, to love you. And that's the call. Submit Submission in the family. Again, Peter is going to say, you're, you're royalty, you're mine, you're chosen, you're holy, you're set apart. And by the way, submit. And submit in everything. Submit in the family. Uh, su- submit uh, in different roles. Submission ultimately to Christ. That's the arrow. That's the arrow of our life, of all things living in submission. May the name of Jesus rule and reign over all things in our lives. Let me summarize this last point, the second point by saying this. You cannot, you cannot honor God and not live your life in submission to him and to those around you. You just can't do it. This is what God has called us to. All right. Leading by example, living in submission and last thing, clothed in humility. I love this. It says, by the way, everyone, it says, be clothed in humility. Everyone clothe yourself. And that, that clothe yourself is to wrap humility tightly around you. Why? Because it says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. He says it in Proverbs 3.34. He says it in James 4.6. And he says it here in 1 Peter 5.5. 5. God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Clothe yourself. Put on humility. I think the beautiful picture of this 
is in Philippians chapter 2. If you have your Bibles, turn to Philippians 2. Philippians 2 verse 3 says this. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit or vain conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among you, which is yours in Christ Jesus. Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, by being born in the likeness of man and being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. This is saying that basically do nothing out of selfishness, do nothing out of vain conceit, but actually in this humility, consider others more important than yourselves. Have the attitude of Christ Jesus, who who is going to humble himself, empty himself, serve us so that he could lift us up. What an incredible example that we have to follow. Be imitators of Christ is clothing yourself in humility. Therefore, verse 9, God has highly exalted him. You see the humiliation of Christ has led to the exaltation of Christ and bestowed on him the name that is above every name so that the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. When he says, wrap yourself in humility, you don't, get it until you realize that's exactly what Jesus did. He wrapped himself in humility by wrapping himself in flesh. As we sing, hark the herald angels sing at Christmas time, wrapped in flesh, the Godhead see. It's unbelievable that God would humble himself by wrapping himself in humility to the point of being born in a manger, to the point of poverty, to the point of, of, of living a life of a, as a carpenter's son. I mean, the humility of Christ, a man who would say, I have no place to lay my head. The humility of Christ, that is our, our example. That, that is that reality. And because of that reality, we have life and life abundantly. He wrapped himself in humility so that he could be lifted up by the Father. And here's the beautiful thing. And so could we. And we could be lifted up to life and life ab- abundantly. Let me ask you this in closing. Where's the arrow of your life pointing? There's one there. Like the FedEx thing, maybe you haven't thought about it much. Maybe you haven't spent time to look at it. But where is the arrow of your life pointing? Is it pointing to yourself? Most arrows are. Is it pointing to your family? Is it pointing to your career? Is it pointing to Christ? Now, each one of us are going to live our lives and there'll be times where you can say yes to probably all of those things. But an overarching pointing, where is it? Like that FedEx logo, once you see it, you can't help but see it. May that reality of your arrow of life be pointed to Jesus. And once you see that that's the way it's to be aligned, may you never not see it any other way. And may the world see that reality. Why? So they could see your good works, Peter would say, and praise your Father in heaven. 
that they would realize that. They will see that arrow to Christ in the way you lead your life and to lead your others as being a type and the way you live in submission and the way you clothe yourself in humility. You get it? Got it? Good. All right. Well, the next service uh, we're going to have right at this point, the officers get installed. So um, hearing that message, you think they'll be ready? I hope so. All right. Let us pray together. Father God, we thank you so much for Jesus is our example. And I thank you, Jesus, that you don't call us to do anything that you weren't willing to do. And the incredible thing is, is that you came and you showed us what leadership is all about. You are not the example. You're the ultimate example because you're the reality. And we thank you for that reality. Thank you, Jesus, that you were willing to submit yourself to your father. And thank you for the authority around you. You've been submitted yourself. That you also clothe yourself in humility. Clothe yourself in humanity. Put on flesh to come and to find us. So that through you and bowing our knee to you, we too could be lifted to the Father. God, would your Holy Spirit clearly show us where the arrow of our life is pointed. May it be truly to do north and to Christ Jesus, our Lord and Savior, for his glory, for the health of this church. God, bless these new members. God, I ask your blessing upon our officers that we're about to receive in the second service. God, do great things through Orangewood. Why? For your namesake and for your glory. May we be this kind of people. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.